Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and I'm here today with two very special people. We're here with my friend Leslie from The Nerdy Narrative, and of course, author Brian Bowyer. Brian, thanks for joining us tonight. Hello. Thanks for having me. And we have lots of questions for you, but we know that you're a busy guy, so you've, you've written like 10 books since uh, Flesh Rehearsal, so <laughs> I hope you can remember some of it. <laughs> yeah. Very prolific. Very prolific. Which, so, if yeah. I can ask a question about that really yeah. quick. Where do you get your ideas from? Because apparently they come really easy to you for you to be able to just write like you do. You know, I usually don't have any ideas. I just uh, create the characters mm -hmm. and then they surprise me. I'm just oh, following wow. them where they go. And I'm just like, are you serious? And then I got to <laughs> follow them to wherever they go. And then I got to do research on whatever the hell they're talking about. Because I don't know what they're talking about. And then so I'm just like. Your characters all like to die. <laughs> <laughs> they all uh, come to you and say, Brian, we need no. you to create this and this world and then just murder us all. <laughs> no, I, I don't know where, I don't know where I get my ideas. I really don't know. So, so it, does it always start with a character like with flesh rehearsal, which is the one we're kind of focusing on tonight. Did this, this started with a character or did it start with an idea of a storyline or an event? I had no idea. No I had idea. No, no clue. I just finished uh, Apocalypse. I'm so jealous. And I was like, I felt good about it, but I felt like Apocalypse was very tongue in cheek. It was like a B movie on crack. And I was like, <laughs> man, and I really, but I love it. I love Apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, Apocalypse, I, I love it, but uh, I wanted to do something a little bit more serious. But I had oh. no no idea, so it, it just Gretchen Gretchen just popped into my head in that kitchen. Her and her sister. Oh with, man! Uh, yeah, in that farmhouse in Nebraska. And well, in that dad. title definitely speaks of apocalypse to me. I I mean, not the title, the uh, cover. This cover uh, is. I, I would love to have just an oil painting of this to hang on my wall because that's just gorgeous. Yeah, that's Don Noble. Man, that's just beautiful. Yeah, it's really good. That's a, yeah, great cover. How, how did that cover come to be? How did, did was that something that you had in mind, or is that something that the artist did that you liked? That was uh, available on the Rooster Republic site for sale, and as soon wow. as I saw it, I was like, you know, that would work right there for flash <laughs> rehearsal. Well, so I do that. I'll, I'll spy on his page, man. When I see something I like, I'll just buy it. Be like, okay, well then, that now it's mine if I need it. You know what I mean? Oh man. So you meet your character, you, you create your characters and then you research what they're talking about. I, I definitely saw that in your writing. Yeah. There were two or three times where the characters and conversation just blew me away with how their intelligence, their knowledge. And you didn't just have them info dumping. You told it, in a way that made sense. Like when the, 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 for those of you who have not heard what flesh rehearsal about one of the elements, the one that was most interesting to me is there is a serial killer called the lobotomizer. And I loved how you explained how he got his name, how he was discovered, how some of the victims lived and didn't live, how they discovered what a lobotomy was and how they knew what was happening because of the scar and that there were two different kinds. Like you didn't just have 
one of the characters just dropping all this information. You had them talking to each other. And one of them was like, well, yeah, I Googled it and found out that this was how they determined what happened and why there's two kinds. Like it made sense. It wasn't just an info dump that loses the reader. And it wasn't so intelligently written that I wouldn't have understood it. Like it was written in a way that I understood it. And I have no medical knowledge of a lobotomy. And so I, I, I really appreciated that. And then I think there was a section about, they were talking about astronomy at one point. Mm-hmm. I have never been interested in stargazing, but the way the characters interacted and had that conversation, I was extremely interested. Now, did I go read up on it later? No, I just wanted these characters to keep talking about it. So I definitely could tell you did some research, but you, the way you write those things into your, like, uh, this is my first book by you, but the way that you introduced that information and just made it so easy to digest, like, I appreciated that very much because it wasn't anything I knew about. Uh, I loved the music aspect. I, mm-hmm. I just, there was nothing I could find wrong with this. Nothing I could find wrong with this. Like I was just eating it up and it was all, I think and uh, Steve interrupt me at any time. No, go for it. I love the mystery. I never really knew what was going on. My favorite character is Ludlow. And I started, I started thinking, is Raven real? Like I suspected for a long time that she wasn't even a real character, like a real person. And I was just, and I started thinking, hmm. is he the obvious choice? Cause I'm, I'm, I was just looking at everybody as being the serial killer. I, I and then I was like, no, I'm like, yeah, it's him. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I, I love how you wrote the story and you just, you you gave us the information, but you didn't lead us. See, jump in here. <laughs> Yo, I had no idea there was even going to be a serial killer in this. No, I, I, I had no idea there was going to be someone called the lobotomizer. See, Raven, I just thought was going to die because Raven, I mean, because Ludlow was killing everybody. Was and it? I thought she was as dead as fried chicken until she said, by the way, I got that opium from some vampires. And I was like, what? And then Ludlow was like, what? <laughs> vampires here in Los Angeles? And I was like, well, damn, I guess this chick ain't going to die because now I want to see these vampires he's talking about. I had no idea. So then, you know, a couple chapters on down the road, he picks her up or he just runs into her at that yeah. party. And she's like, will you take me to my fight later? I'm like, you're a fighter? I didn't know. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I fight underground. I'll beat men to death in a ring. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was, like, following that along. And then they're in the car, and then she's like, oh, by the way, do you hear they found the lobotomizer's latest victim? And I'm like, what is this bitch talking about? And that's when Ludlow's like, what are you talking about? She's like, where have you been? And he's like, in my own head, I guess. She's like, apparently, she's like, there's a serial killer. And I was like, man, I had no idea. So then I had to look it up. I was like, oh, okay. So lobotomies, you go transorbital and uh, prefrontal. I didn't know any of that. So I'm like, I'm just like, because Raven's just saying this shit. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. fuck, man, now I got to back it up, whatever she's talking about. I had no idea. You know, I love it 
but I'm so mad and jealous at the same time because I would love to be able to write and you're just over here. No, I mean, just just set these out. words down on paper. Like, I'm, I'm so just watching a movie, man. And I'm just following these characters. That's all. I mean, I swear I usually have no clue from chapter to chapter what's going to happen. So I'm always surprised. <sighs> But then I got to figure out what these people are talking about. Make it look like I know what I'm talking about. Because usually I have no idea what I'm talking about. Are, are there more stories planned for this world? For this uh, for these characters? The, the ones that survived? Well, in flesh rehearsal, if you'll remember when uh, Gretchen and Raven go to buy some opium in that mountain. Like in the middle of the mountain where that character Lucian said he was a vampire. And he took them there and they went in there and they were mm -hmm. like... Looking at all these people. Is that? Yeah. Is this they were talking. Oh. They were talking about some of the characters. He's like, "Well, I usually get the opium off of Sirius and Olivia." Yeah. And he's like, "You know, he's like, you know how Sirius and Olivia are. They do their own thing, but, and then their father Valkalar, blah blah blah." So if you're reading that, you're like, well, "Who the heck? Well, yeah, you'll see in the mm -hmm. and, and, and later in the fall. Now that's going to be out probably about my birthday around April. April. Yeah. So I'm gonna put out three more books this year, I guess. So Road Narrows will be like next week, and then uh, April, I think, for the vampire thing, and then October for the haunted house thing. That's that's a novel, by the way. I can't so we were, wait. we were talking about what you have coming, uh, Brian. But can you tell the people watching now? Because we, we were talking before we we're live. But what do you have coming up? You have Road Narrows. Yeah, Road Narrows will be out like any day. I'm just waiting for the calendar to roll over and say 2022. And then I'll drop that first week of January. And then uh, then I'm putting out a vampire novella, but it's like really more like a short novel. I tried to keep it as short as I possibly could. It's like 40,000 words, but uh, that'll be April. And then, uh, then a haunted house novel in October. They're all finished. They've all been finished, actually. I'm just... And then I got two more books finished. That I'm going to save for 2023, and I'm working on two books right now. Dang. Yeah. Very prolific. And you have, what, like 16 published works already, right? Since, like, uh, 2011? Something. Yeah, something like that. Wow. What's your favorite? Uh, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with Flesh Rehearsal, but everything I've written after that I think is way better. All the stuff that mm -hmm. I have that's not out yet mm -hmm. is, like, I think it smokes. All that smokes Flesh Rehearsal. <laughs> uh, I like how those are your favorites and we can't go read those right now. Well, they just are. I'm not just saying that because I'm like, oh, I want you to buy. No, I mean, that's just, I'm just like having more and more fun with it as I go. So I just think they may not be better. You know, I may, it might just be me in my head thinking they are because I'm having so much fun with it. I don't know. I, I don't really have a favorite. Man, Road Narrows, though, the one that's coming out, yeah. I, do, I do think is a lot better than road harvest i mean road harvest i had a lot of fun with mm -hmm. but i mean i don't know if either of you've read it and you don't and you don't have Not to yet. read you don't have to read road harvest to read road narrows gotcha. and vice versa you don't have to read road narrows to read road harvest i thought road harvest was completely finished man i had no plans to write a sequel at all and then uh people started mentioning it mentioning it and i was like mm -hmm. what are you people talking about man that story is over you know that's finished <laughs> <laughs> but then I started thinking, I was like, well, you know, those characters are still alive and, you know, they go back to California. So what do they do when they get to California? Let's just write something completely different. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's not even like a sequel, really. It's just like what mm -hmm. the other stuff they do. 
It's like, okay, mm-hmm. they, you saw what they did in Road Harvest. Well, that's not all they do. They do all this other stuff when they're not doing that. So it's like you totally don't have to read one or the other to read the well, other. Of course, we have to now. Yeah. <laughs> no, you really don't. You could totally pick up Road Narrow, but never even read Road Harvest, and you wouldn't be missing anything. And the same way, you could pick, you could read Road Harvest, and you would never have to read Road Narrows, and you wouldn't be missing anything. They're completely different stories, just the same characters. Before we, uh, let me just catch up on some chats real quick. Uh, Ashley's Ashley. here. Hello, Ashley. Our friend Priscilla's here. Hello from Virginia. Hey, Priscilla. Some guy named Brad Proctor is around. I don't know. What's up, Brad? Once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Brad? Uh, Andres is here. Good evening. Andreas. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, I have I have not received a blanket yet. Jay, how's it going, Jay? Here to watch Brian scare you. <laughs> uh, Crystal's Crystal. here. Hey, Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Uh, Ashley, you, you had me at serial killer. Mm-hmm. Dead as fried chicken. <laughs> uh, Crystal said she loved uh, flesh rehearsal. Yep, and, I saw her and, review go up. Yeah. And Ashley, we'll avoid the uh, spoilers a little bit later on. We'll warn you. Do we get into the? Because I have questions about the story. And Brad is indeed a writing machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Stevenson's here. I think everyone's excited to read your vampire book. Yep. I had yep. a lot of fun with it. It's it's more stripped down though than anything I've ever written. I mean, it reads like a kindergartner wrote it almost. I'm serious. I mean, if if the word could go, it was gone. I mean, I was very minimalistic during the first draft, but when I was rewriting it, I mean, I was just mercilessly just slaughtering words, getting them out of there. Like, no, 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 no. Just, I got it all the way down to just literally. It's you'll have to see it, man. It's it's really weird when you read it. It's like, man, it's like there's no words even there. (laughs) But it turned into a forty thousand word novella somehow. So. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, Amanda, hey Amanda, and uh, Bailey books and support. Hey nerds, and uh, Andres <laughs> hey, had a question. Lot. Yeah, Andres had a question. Road Harvest is a novella. Will Road Narrow be longer? What was that noise? <laughs> is that my mic? Mm, uh, I don't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's the ghost. It's the ghost, yeah. Uh, so, will road will road narrow be longer than road harvest? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a little longer than road harvest. Yes. And uh, Harfoot is here. Hey, Harfoot, thanks for coming by. So, Brian, when did you? Uh, yeah, it's the voices. <laughs> uh, when did you start writing? Uh. Song lyrics to rock bands like mid and late 80s when I was just playing in bands. So I guess it started with lyrics. And then once I started getting locked up and actually reading fiction in juvenile detention facilities, then I started dabbling with short stories and stuff. And then I didn't really write anything seriously until I wrote a screenplay when I was 23. And then I took off, left state, went to Nashville, Tennessee, went to film school for a couple years at Watkins Institute. And kept writing. I majored in screenwriting there, but then I, I, my plan was to move out to California after that. But then I didn't want to be that far away from my still young at the time son, so I moved back to West Virginia, and then that's when I started 
writing like novels and stuff, but I never even really tried to get published or anything. That was just for me. Mm-hmm. And my friends, I'd let my friends read it and they were all like, man, this shit's killer. When you going to publish blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, <laughs> dude, I'm going to be dead by tomorrow. What's the point? Because I, because of the lifestyle I was living, man, I was not even expecting to see dirt. You know what I'm saying? And, and all my friends kept dying, but I just kept waking up. So, but then I got off all the drugs and stuff and cut way back on the drinking. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, well, all right, now let's take it serious. I didn't really start taking it seriously. So I was like, just a couple years ago, really. I was already old. Oh, uh, really, you were not old. Well, I mean, I'm getting ready. Aren't we, the, 40, aren't we like 40, the same age? I'll be 49 in April. So, I, I mean, for, but I mean, for like publishing your first books. And, well, I mean, yeah, I was already like late 30s, we'll say, when I first started like self publishing a novel here and there. But a lot of that stuff was not that good. And I was still, <laughs> I was still real fucked up 24 7. So. I don't even know if that counts, but I've always been writing pretty much, man. Since like teenage years, since the eighties, that was a long answer. Sorry. No, that's all good. And, uh, so have you ever considered converting one of your books or writing a new screenplay and adapting it since you have the experience? Uh, yeah, it'd be fun. I like writing screenplays. And that just seems like that would be a really difficult process. Because, of course, you have to adjust the story for the medium that it's going to be on. And I just I think I would just have a really difficult time determining what to cut and what to change, but still keep the meat of the story the same. Because like in flesh rehearsal, if you cut the scene between uh, what's the girl's name? Is it Bianca? That's the bartender that works for Dominic. Yeah. If you cut the scene where she relapsed and she went into his office and told him and his reaction was not to judge her, he did not berate her. His reaction was to immediately get her the help that she needed. Like if that scene got cut, I would hate I would hate the movie just immediately. Like I'd be like Screw that. That that sucked. Yeah. Like to me, that is the one scene of this book that struck me as the most memorable scene. Like I will never forget flesh rehearsal because of that interaction, because I felt it was just, it was so simple. It was so short. It was just really a couple of paragraphs, but the impact of that moment where Dominic just without question, made a call and got her what she needed in order to get herself straightened back out. And I just thought, man, if more people actually had the compassion to just help people instead of judging them or berating them or, you know, these days, if that happened, Dominic would have pulled out his phone and tweeted something nasty about it. I just, that spoke to me. That just really, I mean, I just love that. Absolutely love that. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff I live for because I'm a very character-driven reader. And I've, I've never had that happen to me, but I know other people and I've had friends who have died from overdoses. And it's just like, what if somebody had helped them like that? You know, and it's just, 
I just love that. So if, if that got cut, I would instantly hate it. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine how difficult it would be screenwriting. Because I'm one, I'm a book snob. If I read the book and I go watch the TV series or the movie, 9.9 times out of 10, I'm going to hate the TV series or the movie. <laughs> Will of Time is included. Yes. <laughs> so is Dune. Actually, the only movie I can think of that I liked as much as the book is The Martian. So there you go. Well, so one other question. So there is a line in Flesh Rehearsal that we saw a lot. Steve has it in his name. Let me hit that whiskey. Was there any <laughs> significance to that line? No, that's just what me and my friends always said <sighs> countless times to each other. Let me hit that whiskey. I was like, that has and to be something. Back. You know, I've, I have turned, the all the reading that I do, I've turned into Nancy Drew. So yeah. when I see something repeated by an author a few times, I start noticing it. And it yeah. just stops in my tracks every time I see it. I'm like, that has to mean something. That has to mean something. That's a clue. Well, dang. No, my, my characters are drinking all the time, it seems like. Yeah. So uh, that's just, I just say the same thing. Just to speed it along. It's like, I ain't well, got to think about it. It's like, we're here, 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 here. And then, you know, while they're doing whatever they're doing. And I know there's probably going to be some readers that's going to read that and think, there's no way these kids would just be drinking this much. And I'm I drank harder you, than that. I drank I'm harder here, than that when I was yeah. a kid. I'm here to tell you, uh, <laughs> yes. We I think a lot of people do. have forgotten what it was like to be young. Because mm -hmm. I get that a lot too, man. People be like, man, kids don't talk like this. I'm like, well, you know what? When I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have hung out with your dumb ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. That, I, I'm um, going to tell you right now, I am 49 years old. And I don't really know anything that I didn't know when I was 11. I've seen more mm -hmm. and I've done more. I've read a whole lot more books and traveled around the country, not the world, but whatever I know now, I already knew then pretty mm -hmm. much, pretty much, man. People act like kids are dumb, man. Whatever, dude. But yeah. yeah I, I, people have told me that your characters, man, they're too young to be talking like that. I'm like, okay. No, nope. No, uh, I'm I'm one of those that I'm constantly surprised that I have lived. I lived through my teenage and young adult years. Mm -hmm. I did not. I, I tell people all the time. I, I didn't start maturing until my mid 30s. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and even now, I still need a little bit of help. But, you know, we won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> if you grow up, you grow old. So, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the ride. So I, I do want to get into some spoilers. So let's get into some spoilers for uh, for flesh rehearsal because I have questions that I'm not sure if uh, I'm overthinking things or. So if you haven't read the book, go read it. It's a, it's uh. And well worth please leave a review. Brian yes. does not have enough reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. I know more people have read his books than the few reviews and ratings that are out there, guys. Please, 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 please. You don't have to write a long review. Just a paragraph. What you liked, what you didn't like. Just throw it up there. We'd appreciate just, it. Yeah. Just a couple words, even. Just anything. Mm -hmm. Helps mm -hmm. out. 
All right, so let's get into some, into some spoilers. So everyone's been warned. We're going to spoil Flesh Rehearsal, so don't spoil yourself if you haven't read it yet. Okay. <laughs> so I did I did wonder, because of the, the talk about uh, the black holes and the universes being formed, I wondered if, if Ludlow was, when he was blacking out and he was dreaming, if he was going to another place or if he was traveling somehow. Uh, Leslie, did you pick up on that, or is that just me overthinking things? Um, so for me, I didn't think too much of him blacking out. I was more focused, like, after the first one, and when he came to and realized, oh, there's a body, that's what I started focusing on. What was going to happen when he came back to? And then I just was also cracking up because every time he'd be like, man, I really got to start taking my medication. And I just cracked up every time. And I also have to say, by the time I read Flesh Rehearsal, I had seen enough interviews with Brian that I read this and I heard Brian reading it in my head and mm -hmm. his voice. And I, Brian, if you haven't ever thought about doing audiobooks of your own books... I would highly encourage it. I would love to hear you narrate your own stuff because anytime I talk to an author and you have such a distinctive voice and we all love it. Like anybody I've talked to that has watched you on a live stream has loved, I've, I've always mentioned, man, I love to hear that guy talk. So I would love if you would think about in the future, narrating your own audiobooks. Yeah, that was one of my questions too. Is when you, do you have any plans for that, Brian, to narrate your own book? I haven't really made any plans, but that'd be fun. Yeah, it would be wonderful because yeah. especially every time Ludlow's like, "Man, I gotta take my man, I gotta start taking my medication." Yeah. I heard it in your in your in your voice, and I got so tickled. But no, I didn't. I didn't think he was going to a different place. I no, more, I didn't either. I was more thinking. Who knows? Yeah, I, I was just like, <laughs> is he? And it, and it got like, of course, immediately I was like, man, he's just killing all these people. And then I got to thinking, no, I don't think he is. I think somebody else, like, I started thinking somebody else was killing them while he was blacked out because everybody knew he wasn't taking his medication. But I didn't notice during his dreams he was someone was always or they would eat pieces of him too yeah. in his dreams so i wonder what the significance of that was because dominic who again spoilers who was a lobotomizer would was eating people too so i thought there's some kind of connection there with and where did his powers come from because he wasn't a, i assume he wasn't a vampire because he was out during the day, he wasn't really, you know, didn't seem too concerned with that. And he wasn't named in during the cave scene. No. Yeah. So where did his power because he was eating people's brains? So I thought maybe he's getting his power from that. Like a ravenous kind of thing in the movie Ravenous mm -hmm. is kind of what I thought of. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear, dude. I just wrote the thing. I mean there's a lot I don't know about it. I don't know. Does it does it give like did you get a kick out of readers coming up with conspiracy theories about your books and you're just like going I had had none of that in mind I just wrote it. Well, I never I never had any 
notion that someone else was killing the people that Ludlow was killing when he was under his schizophrenic delusions. Yeah. That, that was Ludlow. And I didn't really think Dominic like had any supernatural powers or anything. Uh, the one time when he picked that dude up by his pants legs and swung him around and bashed his head off the exterior of that building in front of uh, Victoria, I just broke that off as adrenaline because mm. I've done stuff. I've done stuff like that with adrenaline before. Oh, yeah. I've, I've blacked out in my lifetime and people be like telling me like I'll come to and they're like their mouths are on the damn ground going, do you know what you just did? And I'm like, no. And then they'll tell me. And I'm like, that had to have been adrenaline. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. So uh, hmm. it's possible. You know, you hear about mothers lifting cars off babies and stuff, man. There's, there's something in us. So I just figured that's all that was. So. Yeah. Okay, but no, I, he, I never yeah. thought Dominic was a vampire. Yeah. yeah I didn't he, get that either. Because he moved really fast. I think Victoria said he moved faster than she real before she realized what was happening, and he was swinging this dude around <laughs> and slamming into the wall. Yeah, let's oh, go, go down, Dominic. But well, yeah, he did so that, spin around a couple full revolutions to get some momentum, and then, then, yeah, he went Jason Bourne on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you do have a way of writing these really violent scenes that, like Leslie mentioned, that. At the end, Ludlow's like, I have to take my meds. And yeah. it's, 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 you feel bad for laughing, but because this is horrible stuff going on, but then it's hilarious mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Well, I was trying just... to make it all nonchalant. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that happened. So what? <laughs> <sighs> Although I will say, man, there was one, because normally I don't. Oh, I mean, I never censor myself at all, but in flesh rehearsal, I did see a part coming from a mile away because I didn't know that there was even going to be a lobotomizer until like Raven said that to Ludlow in his car before he took her to that first death match he witnessed when she was like, you thought about the lobotomizer. And then once I found out there was a lobotomizer, I had no idea who it was. And then once I figured out who it was, which was way before it was revealed at the end, then I started thinking, I was like, man. I'm going to have to show a scene with the lobotomizer and one of his victims mm-hmm. with, with the mother and the little girl. And then I was like, oh, my God, am I really going to go all that far into it? Is that, this yeah. was like a month before I even got to the scenes. I only write a little bit at a time, you know, here and there every day. And so I was, I was seeing that like chapters way ahead. I was like, so I was just like kind of dreading. And I thought I was like, man, there ain't no way I can show what's going to happen. I'll just. But then I just, when I got there, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, man. Let's just show it, man. And I just, that's and what happened. You know what? There, there's, uh, there's times when stuff should fade to black. And then there's times when you're giving us exactly what we're expecting and what we wanted. Yeah. And that was just, that scene was so vivid, so yeah. creepy. And just, I mean, ever. Everyone like me who loves watching, reading anything to do with serial killers, that's the kind of stuff we live for. Absolutely. I don't want to get hinted at or hear about it after the fact. I want to see it happen. I'm a little weird. It's okay. But I loved it. Yeah, I did. I did wonder about Ludlow's dreams because I have written down he always or almost always they knock out his teeth. Yeah. So I wonder what was what's the significance of that? What in the- I, I, I don't know. He, he remember at the beginning he was like hallucinating that people had oversized teeth. teeth. 
<laughs> yeah, and, uh, I don't know. He just had he just had this weird thing. I know for years and years, I don't really much anymore. But for years, I used to have a recurring dream of losing my teeth in mm. a million different ways, man. I mean, unbelievable scenarios. I would lose my teeth in dreams, and I mean, I'd pick them up and shove them back up in the holes in the dreams. And sometimes I'd pick them up, and put them in my pockets, so I wouldn't lose them. You know, what I mean? it was like crazy shit all the time, man. Like, say I'd be thirsty in a dream, and I'd walk up to a water fountain and hit the nozzle, and the water would come out, and it instantly turned to ice and freeze my whole face. And when I go to pull away from the frozen water, it yank all my teeth out with it. That's so then I'd terrifying. Have find, I'd have to find something to be beating my teeth off of the ice, and then put them back in my pocket. And crazy shit, but uh. I, I did that for years. I was always dreaming about losing my teeth. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> you and Daniel Barnett should should talk about that. He he does not like teeth stuff either. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. And Jay says I can see T-shirts and bumper stickers in the future that say I yep. need to take my meds. Yeah. And Crystal says, "Oof, the brain scenes." Yeah, that was crazy. And Crystal's always had dreams of losing her teeth. Yeah. Oh, this is the thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and do you? I love the way you write these really violent and terrible scenes because you don't prepare the reader. You know, usually in books or movies, they'll you know they, you kind of set it up like something bad's about to happen, but with you, it's just yeah. it happens and it's it's in your face. So, is that just a, a just the way you you like to write, or is that a, a choice you make on purpose for some other reason? No, it's just the way it comes out, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I prefer it that way. I I don't like like the the one author that comes to mind that does it all the time is Stephen King. He'll just spoil it for you. He's like, "Yeah, well, that's the last time Billy's going to do this," and you're like, "Going down, man. Can can I just find that out like once it happens?" Yeah, I, I do not like that. Yeah. yeah, I prefer the not knowing yeah. because like with this one, I was having such a good time trying to figure out and I was just thinking myself in circles and I was changing my mind. I was looking for clues, trying to figure out who the lobotomizer was and about Ludlow. Like what were these things? You know, there were there was a time that I actually thought Ludlow when he was hallucinating I, and then he would wake up and there would be a dead body. Like I thought the whole thing was a hallucination. Like none of it was happening. Mm -hmm. There were, I had so much fun trying to figure out what was real, what wasn't real, who was doing what characters that I thought like Raven, I thought she might've been a figment of Ludlow's imagination or another character that he created with his schizophrenia. Like I had so much fun with him as a character that is just I, I i didn't want those little mini spoilers kind of telling me what was going to come i had more fun not knowing and then when i would find something else out like that raven was real because her and gretchen started dating then i was like well okay well now i gotta step back and reevaluate and so i just had fun throughout the entire novel just trying to figure all that out and it's hilarious because you didn't plan any of that. You didn't plan any of that for the reader. You just put the words down as the characters told them to you. And I'm like. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> so, 
So I, I guess that's, you know, I have a very overactive imagination. So I, I just, and like I said, I've turned into Nancy Drew, so I'm all the time looking for stuff. And you didn't plan any of it. It just happened. Do you know how much time I spent reading those those uh, song lyric those song titles and trying to figure out what there's a there's something in here in these song titles there's some kind of there's something in these song titles there's some kind of clue in here and I read them I don't know I spent how much time <laughs> yep and um with Gretchen and Jacob and Amelia oh I, I hope. I hope those characters revisit you at some point. I would love to know what happened next for them because I just really enjoyed like when those three met Gretchen was coming off of losing her entire family in the most horrible of ways. Amelia and Jacob had already lost their father. Like they had that shared connection of loss and, and just how they took that loss and that grief and made music from it and wrote songs with it. I would love to know what, what happened after all of this. What happened? Like, what happened with their album? Did they create more? Did they stay together? Did it change if they all met someone and they were all happy? Like, I, I want to know more from those three. And Ludlow. I want love. I would love to have a complete story just on Ludlow. Office minutes. Ludlow's toast. Oh, that's right. Never mind. I was just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Bring him back to life. <laughs> Prequel. Ooh. Yeah. Like, how did he get diagnosed? What happened? That's what I would like to know. Uh, yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah, I had all these theories, so... <laughs> yep. Was, I had a great time with it, though. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I did too. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with that. So we can take the. Uh, I want to ask you about your other, the other books you have coming up. So let me take this. Uh, so Ashley, you can come back now if you're still there. <laughs> so uh, the the vampire book you have coming. Tell us about that one. That well, first let's talk about Road Narrows. Let's talk about Road Narrows since it's coming here in the next, next couple week. days. Yeah. Who did your cover art for that one? Don Noble. I like that one too. Yeah, he's he's killer. So what what can we expect from uh, Road Narrows? What's it about? What's the? Oh, I love that's the, yeah, so that's great art. Yeah. Oh, uh, here's the back copy. A famous novelist and the obsessed fan who stalks her. A traveling musician haunted by the ghosts of his family. A mentally ill woman and the two killers who rescue her from a deranged psychiatrist's basement. A jilted lover who murders her ex-girlfriend for sleeping with other women. When, when these worlds collide in the outer darkness of Los Angeles, can any of them possibly survive? No. Fans of dark <laughs> transgress the fictional love, this harrowing novella. So it's oh, a it's a novella. It's a yeah, it is. That's that's one I can knock it's like out. Like 183 in a day. pages. Excellent. So it's a romance. Yeah. And man, see, my if mine says 183, it's really like 140. Because I do the uh 1.5 line spacing for easier readability. Because mm -hmm. it's just this looks better to me. 
I've been trying to find it, so it's not up for pre-order yet. No. Okay, I've been uh, I've been just, looking like every stinking day. It'll just be available like the first week of January. Well, you'll tweet about it, right? Yeah. When it goes up, okay. Because yeah. I've been looking for it. I'm like, dang it. The, and your vet, yeah. Go ahead, sorry, sorry Steve. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. No, no, go, no ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask about the, the vampire book in April, but go ahead before we move No, on. you go ahead. Uh, what's what, Tell us about your vampire book, because I know we talked a little bit more about it bit, b before we went live. Well, it's, uh, like I said, the vampires just do what they have to do to survive. But the people, the humans in the book are like horrific. They make the vampires seem like angels in comparison. So it's based in present time. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a father. His name's Valkalar. He's he's a few centuries old, mm -hmm. and he uh, had an affair with a mortal woman, and impregnated her, and he didn't even know it. And uh, so she gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl named Sirius and Olivia. So, of course, they're like half vampire, half human, but they got all of his abilities. And, uh, and then he finds out that he has children, so he wants mm -hmm. to meet his children. So he goes, gets his children. And they didn't really like their mother anyway. And then when they, when they meet their father, they're like, hell yeah. You know, they like their dad. And then they're like, well, hey, man, why don't you transform our human friends here? Make them vampires like us. You know what I'm saying? He's like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of other stuff going on. A lot of stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. That that's probably my most anticipated read from you. Well, no, because the haunted house in October, because I am more of a sucker for haunted house stories than I am vampire stories. Yeah, that one is a novel. Hmm. I can't wait. Is the, the is the vampire one a novel or a novella? It's novella. a novella. But, but I mean, it's like 230 pages, but it's it's a novella technically by word count. It's only like 40,000 words. A little Priscilla, under, a little under 40,000 words. And uh, Priscilla said, I'd never get tired of vampire stories unless oh, of the sparkly yeah. kind. <laughs> and our friend Nicole Eisner is here. Hey, Nicole. She says, yes, tell us more about the vampire book. Nicole is a, is a vampire. Uh, she's an and expert I vampire. have hers. Right here. Yay. All right, Hi, Nicole. Right on. Man, I love Nicole's vampire novel. It was yep. great. The yeah, Kyle great. Beguiled by Night. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Go check that out for those of you who haven't already. It's, it's a great book. And uh, Crystal says, okay, that's going to be cool as hell, the vampires. Yep. Great stuff. So uh, is your process always that the characters just take you wherever they go and you just kind of follow along or do you sometimes plan things out? Never. I, dude, I never know what I'm going to write when I wake up. I have no idea. And I don't even try to think about it. Like when I wake up, I know I'm going to be writing that day, but I don't even bother <laughs> wasting my time until I actually start the process. And it's like turning on a movie screen and just watching what's happening. That's that's what you were mentioning when you did the Christmas story yeah. on Jay's channel. Like, well, yeah. he asked me to read one and then I wrote one yeah. and that was so funny. 
It was so funny. And you totally tricked me because I thought maybe this isn't going to go in the normal Brian Boyer way. And then of course it did. Um, it was so funny. I loved it. I watched it Christmas morning. <laughs> I saved it for Christmas morning. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. That perfect. Yeah, that was perfect. And Brian, it seems like music is a big influence on you. Do you listen to music when you write? Never. No, no. Uh-huh. I, 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 I couldn't do it either. No. Hello, I only listen to music in my car. I love music, but mm-hmm. no, I can't listen to music when I'm writing. It would just distract me too much. Hmm. Interesting. I for sure thought you would listen to like, I don't know, something when you wrote, but no. Oh, surprised. Nope. Because there's quite a few music references in the book when how they set it up and how they tune their their music, you know, their instruments and things like that. So, oh yeah, I mean, I've been in a lot of bands. I mean, I'm a musician. He plays, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just I can't listen to music when I'm writing. Fix it. Well, my brain is going to go either like people are like, oh yeah, I listen to music while I read. I'm like going, well, I'm either going to be singing along with the music. And not paying attention to the book because I mean I I love music I sing all the time I'm terrible at it but I still do it <laughs> but yeah I can't I can't do I can't I'm I'm not a multitasker I'm not a normal female I am not one of those that can do thirty things at once it is one thing at a time I even eat one thing at a time like when I have my meal everything is what I, my dad calls pig pens nothing can touch. And I literally will pick something to start with and I'll eat all of that. And then I'll turn my plate and I'll eat all of the next thing. And then all of the next thing. Yeah. I'm, I said I was weird. I am very weird. Well, there's studies now in the last few years that multitasking is like a myth. It's you don't really accomplish much when you're doing five things at once. You're better focusing on one thing than doing three things. You do three, three, three things mediocre versus doing one thing good. Oh, so I'm so not weird. I'm actually well, smart. You're actually ahead of the curve, but it, it was a big thing. Yeah, multitasking was you have to multitask for all these years, and now yeah. they're like, yeah, you're worthless when you do that. So stop doing it. <laughs> now oh, you tell us. Who that. knew I was a genius? <laughs> and Nicole missed. Oh. Uh, did you miss the beginning, Nicole, of the live stream? And uh, Priscilla says a lot of writers say they do listen to music when they write, but I can't either. I would be scared it would influence what I was writing. Hmm. I, I I would think I would probably get the whatever was happening in the lyrics of the music. I would start just incorporating in whatever I was writing. I wish I could write. I've tried to write. I can't write. And Brian, you make I'm, it sound so easy. Like if I said yeah. to write, a, there's no way I could ever. I can't. You can't write a sentence. And Brian's like, oh, just you know, it just comes to me. Whatever. They just take me on. It's like, how do you do? How do you do that? Yeah. Before yeah, but I, mean, I write like a kindergartner, though, so it's easy. I mean, I just, no. You do I not use, write like a kindergartner. No. No, I, I don't use any big words. But they're long sentences. Uh, uh-uh. So for somebody who reads a lot of stuff, I read many genres. I read all the time. I read just classics, and I read literary fiction and fantasy and stuff like this is a relief sometimes because it's just so easy to consume so fast. It's a page turner. I I think I read this in two sittings. It was that good. 
It was that easily digestible. I had a hell of a fun time trying to figure out, you know, I was chasing all these different threads and I was like, oh yes, he's planned all of this. And now I know he had no nothing to do with any of it. You just wrote it and I'm over here going, connected all these things and nope, <laughs> none of that was planned. It was just coincidence. But, but you say, you say you write like a kindergartner, but the, the instances where you taught us stuff, like the, the scene where they were talking about the astrology, the scene where the explanation of the different types of lobotomies and how that was discovered, that was extremely intelligent. Yeah. I didn't know that. So I had to write it. So I had to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did a great job putting it down and matching your writing style. So I was able to understand it because I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. And you wrote it in a way that I was able to understand exactly what was going on. So, I mean, I, I appreciated that. That's, that's whenever I'm learning something, I I need it broken down. I I need my hand held because. I spend more time when I'm writing, making sure that it is the absolute simplest way to say mm-hmm. something, you know, cause I don't want everyone, someone, whether they like my stuff or despise my stuff, I want them to know exactly what it means. You know? So I'm like, mm-hmm. if anything seems even the least bit convoluted or confusing, I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, I can make this simpler. Let's, you know, I want, I, that's what I spend most of my time doing in the rewrites. I'm like, wait, this is, this could be taken one. I want it to be, I want you to know exactly what I'm mm-hmm. talking about here. So. Well, you know, I read a lot of fantasy. I think the majority of what I read falls under fantasy. And some of that stuff is so flowery and purpley that this is a relief. It's a relief to be able to work something else in that I don't have to intellectually tax myself. It's just I can just sit down and enjoy myself. I mean, I enjoy the reads that stimulate my brain, but... Sometimes I just want to just read for pure, unadulterated enjoyment. I want everybody and everything to die. Like, I, I'm so excited to read the next one. I can't wait for that one to drop. I'm going to be looking for that link on Twitter next week. And I, I did have, uh, on my notes, I did have that it's very cinematic, the, mm-hmm. the book. So I can see where your, uh, your, your education with screenwriting and kind of that help, I think that helps it be, it's almost like watching a movie when you read the book. Mm-hmm. I could picture what was happening. But, I mean, I, I'm, usually if the author does a good job describing what's happening and telling me about the character's emotions, I'm able to picture it like it's a movie in my mind as I'm reading along, and this just flowed. But, I mean, I, I, it, it was a movie to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did, it did flow like a movie. And Nicola is dying to read I, your vampire book. The only thing I couldn't do was put the song lyrics to actual music. That was the only thing I couldn't mentally do myself. So I would, I would, I would, Brian, that's what you should do. You should take these songs and put them to music. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that would be fun. I love and Nicole, it. I love Nicole says, I appreciate that, Brian. I just read the I just read a book that had its own language and a glossary and it pulled me out of the story. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It feels feels more like work sometimes. Uh, Lou Stevenson says, can you teach me how to talk like that? Because I can't stand it when I say something to someone and they respond with what, what they think I'm implying rather than what I actually mean. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It can be tough. And so, Brian, when you are in the car and you listen to music, what do you like to listen to? Uh, metal and like 90s gangster rap. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Chris and I were coming back home from Mississippi from spending Christmas with our families. And he was like, hey. So we were like putting on the old stuff. Warren G. Oh, man, it was fantastic. Yeah, I like Pantera, Slayer. Oh, man. Blame of God, Cannibal Corpse, Biggie Smalls, Pac, Jay-Z, stuff like that. I remember watching a video on VHS of Pantera way back when. I actually managed a local band in Mississippi way back in the day, like 20, 25 years ago. And Mm -hmm. after a gig one night, we were all drunk and watching a Pantera video. And I just remember one of the band members had a boil on his butt and the rest of them were like trying to pop it. Yeah, that was in one of the home videos. That was really nasty. It was disgusting, but we were just sitting there watching it like, can't think of anything else to watch, but we're going to watch some dude. Yeah. Those were the days. Pantera liked to drink a lot of whiskey. I can't do whiskey. My husband loves it. Uh, Not anymore. I can't do it. Mm -mm. (laughs) So, Brian, someone wanted to get into metal. Uh, Do you have any any, uh, like newer bands that you're into that you you would suggest? I'm trying to get more into metal, so I'm looking for new metal bands. Man, I haven't heard any new metal that I've really Mm -hmm. liked in a long time, really. Uh, Mm Mm-mm. I haven't really heard any new music in the last three or four, three to five years that I've liked. There was one band that Black Acre Doe was doing a cover song of, maybe Code Orange, hmm. some weird name like that. And they sounded really good. And I looked them up and they sounded really good. And I, so every once in a while, Black Acre Doe will turn me on to something. And every once in a while, my son will turn me on to something. But I mean, the, the bands I actually like, man, are just few and far between. I mean, so I just listen to the same stuff over and over. Yep, that's what I do. I mean, most music just annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, because you know, because you know music, does that does that make you enjoy less music? Because you know how it's made and what's what what good music is. Does that make you critical and you like this music's crap when you otherwise? No, I, enjoy no it. it's not because I'm a musician. I mean, it, I was that way before I became a musician. When I was a kid. Well, in the 70s, when I was like four years old, I would go across the street to my 10-year-old, my 10-year-older cousin. He was 14, Donald. And uh, he would listen to all this music that I hated, like Kiss and Pink Floyd and Leonard Skinner. I hated all of it, but I loved Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. So I'd just stick around and wait for them. And he'd play because I'd have to put up with all that other stuff. That was years before I ever picked a guitar up. So I was always like that. Like he, I mean, he would play everything that was popular in the seventies, and I hated all of it. You know, when I was like, before I was even old enough to go to kindergarten, I was four years old. This was nineteen seventy-seven. So whatever was on the hey, that was a great year. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I was born. The only two bands I liked out of all that were Sabbath and Zeppelin. That was it. And then through the eighties, 
I hated everything except like the early Metallica. I loved the first three Metallica albums and Slayer. And uh, I mean, I've had a bunch of other, I had everything in the thrash genre, of course, all everything, everything you could think of. I had all that, but I didn't like it. I'd buy the cassette and try it out. And I'd usually just give it away to somebody like Exodus or metal church. I mean, there's a gazillion bands, you know, that you would just buy the cassette and be like sheer disappointment. I was like, man, this is, subpar you know this is not as good as this metallica shit over here you know what i'm saying so yeah. those were those were back in the days where you had to buy the whole album, yeah the whole you just had to look at the album cover and it was just like you're gambling it's like fuck it i'll mm-hmm. buy it man it's got to be heavy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i miss those days i miss yeah. those days of just taking a chance because you find some good stuff that way now that's how just, i found metallica yeah you just take a chance and you find something you and you got some bad stuff but that's part of the ride. Yeah. Oh man. Our, ride the lightning, memory. 1984, man. That that changed my life. That was a life changing moment, man. I was in a, a mall in West Virginia that doesn't even exist anymore, much less the record store. That mall is not even there. But uh, I think it was called National Record Mart. And uh, my mom had given me and my younger brother like ten dollars a piece to go there and pick out a cassette. But we would go to the album section first because you can see the album cover better. And I'm looking at that electric blue cover. Metallica ride the lightning with the electric chair on it. I'd never even heard of Metallica. This was 84. They had just like signed with Elektra Records. They had an album out a year before that, Kill Em All, but I had not heard it yet. So I was only 11. But I was like, man, they got to be heavy. I wonder if they got this in cassettes. So I went to put the album down, went over the cassette section, and they had it. And uh, man, I put that shit in, and I was like, I was not the same person <laughs> when I finished listening to Ride the Lightning all the way through. Oh, and junior high, everybody all drew the Metallica yeah. band name on their folders. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Those were the so, good old yeah. days. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good days. And when did you start playing music, Brian? Did you start with the guitar or what did you start with? I started with piano when I was six, but I hated it. I didn't stay with it long at all. Uh, I had a female cousin who was a lot older than me. I was six. So I was in first grade and she was like, a senior in high school. She went on to become a lawyer and then a prosecutor and all these years later. But at the time she was just making extra money, giving piano lessons. So my mom was like, well, yeah, Brian, we'll pay for him to take piano lessons. I was like, well, that's news to me. I didn't even want to take piano lessons, but so I started taking piano lessons and I didn't really like it, but I started playing guitar years later when I was 14. That would have been 1987. And that came really easy to me. I mean, it was like very natural. I got big hands. So, I tried and I practiced and a lot. But I'm a left-handed person and finding somebody that could teach me to do it left-handed was like So writing but, comes easy and playing guitar comes easy. Yeah. What comes hard? <laughs> yeah, what's hard? Like working on cars or anything mechanical. Like say I say if somebody said, "Hey man, could you come and help me rewire this house?" I'd be like, "Uh, no." I don't know anything about you it. You better you better brush <laughs> up on it because you're gonna have a nightmare that one of your characters is gonna start spouting off stuff about rewiring a house, and then what are you gonna do? You gotta go research. <laughs> Google research. Google. <laughs> yep. And Jay says eighties had a billion fake metal bands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chad is here. Chad. Hey Chad. What up, Chad? Chad oh man, Chad is a great writer. Oh my god. I read a couple yeah. of his books here at the tail end of this year. The Which same one? deep water, the same deep water as you. 
and the one that was like right before, right after that, it was like a sequel or a prequel. It was awesome. I'm excited. So his next one, that's about the the other white meat. I I just can't decide. I don't know if I can make it through it. Cannibal Uh, Creator? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. (laughs) You would. Yeah, that looks great. (sighs) I mean, I, I survived Dominic. But I'm sure Chaz is going to be a little more involved. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. We'll see what happens. So speaking of, uh, you know, other authors, Chad, who, what do you like to read? What What are books that you enjoy reading? Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, everything in the horror zone. Just anything I can get my hands on. I mean, I, I can't read. I don't have nearly enough time to read as much as I'd like, but I still... I think I'm on my 217th book. That's what wow. I'm going to finish this this year. Yeah. Dang, that's more than me. And I thought I read a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, my fantasy books are like this, though. My current read is. Yeah, I don't read poems like that. Yeah. And yeah, Nicole I had a question for you. How are you able to write about such diverse characters? What does this inspiration come uh, come for that? Where does the inspiration come for that? I've just known a lot of people in my life, a whole crazy mixture of characters in my life, man, have come and gone. So, I mean, I'm from West Virginia, but I've lived all over America. And uh, I finally settled down here in Ohio. I've been here since 2013, so almost nine years now. But before that, I was kind of all over the place, man. And Nicole adds, uh, Brian writes about women so well. Yeah. I've uh, I've been around a lot of women in my life. <laughs> I mean, I have. I, I just I know women. I mean, I, I don't know women, but I know women about as good uh-huh. as a man, because about as well as a man can know a woman. Yeah. Or at least maybe I'm delusional. I think I do. Anyway. <laughs> it, it feels really easy for me to write about women. Let's put it that way. I'd rather write about women than, than dudes. Louis Stevenson says, Road Harvest is, is a great, fun read. Very direct. Love the dark humor. Bring it on the follow-up. Next week. Yeah, next, next week, week, man. It's coming. And it, speaking yeah. of women, it's more Tina's story. See, mm-hmm. Road Harvest, there's three main characters. Jinx, the black dude. Leo, the white dude. And then Tina, the crazy chick they rescued from a deranged psychiatrist's basement. Well... You Why does the her. girl have to be the crazy one? Well, you don't really even get to meet her, though, to like almost the end of that story. And then, uh, so the next book, it's like more, you're going to meet her. Oh, you'll see why she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, get, you'll get the full picture on that one. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chad said, dang, wish I had the discipline to read as much as you do, Brian. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of books. A lot of books to read. And write as much as he does. Yeah. And Nicole says, uh, very few male writers write about women as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a, a problem very often found. Guys just don't seem to write girls that well. I mean, we're not hard to figure out. <laughs> I don't put any effort into it when i'm 
I'm never like, oh my God, I'm writing about a girl. And there's like any thought that goes into it. She's just a girl. And I'm just writing. Yeah, it, mainly she's just that character. And I'm just doing, I'm just writing down what I'm seeing her do. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. <laughs> so these characters that you write about, how many characters do you have in your mind that you haven't written their stories yet? How many characters do you have just kind of roaming around waiting for their stories to be told? Mm, none right now. But like I said, I got five books finished and I'm working on two. And one of them is a collection of short fiction. So, yeah, if somebody pops in, I'll just throw that into the collection. Yeah. <laughs> but short stories, I think I heard Douglas Clegg say it once and he said it well. They're like our little love affairs we have when we're working on our novels. Ooh, I love you know, that. You know, our novels, that's our wife. But then the short story, ooh, that's the hot girlfriend we get to hang out with for a week or two. You know what I mean? And, I then you back that. to the novel. <laughs> uh, I love that a lot. My my latest thing is I try to read a short story every morning. I but like I that. do not cheat on my wife, by the way. I was just that was a Douglas <laughs> Clegg analogy. And I just it always stuck in my head. So but it kind of fits, you know what I mean? When you're working on a novel, you're like married to it for however long. Flesh rehearsal took me like nine months. So mm. I was always, mm. you know, cheating on flesh rehearsal with short stories. <laughs> and Nicole says, but it shows you understand women. Yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. it is tough to write the opposite. So it's good stuff. So Ryan, thanks for uh hanging out with us and letting us hear hear our crazy theories about flesh rehearsal. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. yeah, I I I was like Steve, Steve, will you please get Brian on your channel and let me come to he was like, I'll ask you. <laughs> I really wanted to have an opportunity to just chat with you and Carissa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's uh, hilarious. Yeah, it was only an analogy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. She's at work right now. The hospital doesn't get a shutdown for Christmas. No, oh, it's, yeah, man, they're no. probably overrun. Oh God, man, yeah. yeah. She said they're bringing in nurses from Africa because all the nurses are quitting. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, it's crazy, man. One and, of my friends is a nurse. I mean, she's like, we're just tired, just exhausted. And they've been bringing factory workers to the factory where I work from Haiti with translators. Yeah, they, they'll bring in like a whole busload of Haitians and then for like all for like a group of four or five, they'll have one translator while we train wow. them to like work in the factory because it's just no one is available at our factory. That's how short staffed we are. Dang. Wow. Yeah, because of crazy COVID shit, I guess. Yeah. Insane. yeah. Mm. A lot of a lot of airlines are canceling flights now, too, with the staffing shortages and stuff, so. Yep, uh, Orlando has just canceled thousands this week. It's it's awful. Yeah. Good. If you're gonna travel, it might be a good time to drive or to stay home. Stay home. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, Leslie, for uh, coming. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen because I wanted to to I've been wanting to talk to Brian for a long time and wanted to uh chat about flesh rehearsal because I, I had all these notes with, uh, with theories and stuff, and stuff i like. know i'm like i've got my little flow chart here and it's like 
He just dreamed it. it. Just it just happened. Well, thanks so much for reading my little crazy story. Oh um, man, I can't wait to read Rodanero's next week. So I'm gonna be watching your social media like a hawk so I can get my hands on that one. That one's crazy too. I can't I'll wait. Be, yeah. Just here hitting refresh on the Amazon page, just waiting for it to. It's ready. a lot shorter than Bless Rehearsal. Uh, it is like word count and length doesn't matter to me at all. I'm just as happy reading one this size as I am one this size. Like, I just like to read. Bring it on for sure. And Brian, I think uh, we'll have to meet up again for your vampire. Uh, yes. Vampire story. Yeah. Awesome. Vampire dude. and haunted house. Yeah, definitely. And Crystal says, enjoy this. Can't wait to read more, Brian. Thank uh, you. Mr. Morning, Mr. Morningstar is here. I have to hit the rewind on this later. Hope all are well. Thanks, Mr. Morningstar, for hopping by. Thanks, dude. So, yeah, Mr. Morningstar has a great channel. Go check that out. So does Crystal and everyone else here. But uh, Brian, where can people connect with you if they want to find out more about your books or when your when Road Narrows is released? Where's a good time? Where's a good place to to find you? Uh, Twitter or Instagram or Amazon. I'll leave those links uh, in the description here as soon as we're done. So people can thanks, man. click on that and, and check it out. So thanks again, everybody, for, uh, for coming by. Thanks, Brian and Leslie, for coming by to hang out for a while. Let me hit that whiskey. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to be, I'm not going to ring in the new year. I'm going to read in the new year. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Somebody do it. Awesome. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Happy New Year. And then.